All right, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is, wait, ladies and gentlemen, do you really want to start like that? I mean, we can, but, I mean. I mean, come on, ladies and gentlemen. What ladies or gentlemen are going to be listening to this podcast? It's going to be people we probably know. So, what's up, fuckers? I'm Jason Hampton. What's up? I'm Josh Cox. And this is Tales of a Shitty Indie Worker. All right, now, I know it was a little over a month ago I put out the little teaser for this. I sent it to a few people. I was going to put out an episode every Sunday, and then uh, people started getting sick, and wrestling shows started shutting down and everything. I mean, how dare people get sick? I know. I mean, dadgummit. Why would people just... Either way. (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh Uh-oh. No. (laughs) Damn it. Six feet apart. I'm glad you got that mic extender on. Oh, I uh, got my mask. But no, seriously. I uh, started this podcast. It was going to be insights to what goes on in a pro wrestler's mind leading up to his match, leading up to the show. Uh, thoughts on how the matches went after the show was over, how the show was, and all that stuff. Uh, well... I put out the teaser, I think, on Thursday. was supposed to have a show on Saturday. It wound up, that show got canceled. And there's not been any wrestling except WWE since then. Because Vince McMahon loves wrestling, damn it. Vince McMahon loves money, damn it. <laughs> but that's besides the point. Uh, so we're going to have to kind of change it up a little bit. So for right now, Tales of a Shitty Indie Worker is just going to be... Uh, myself, a shitty indie worker. Myself, a shitty indie referee. Uh, just kind of getting in here, talking, shooting the shit, figuring out what the hell to do in this crazy world when there's no wrestling to do. So, uh, I've been on one or two other podcasts and, you know, kind of told a little bit of my story. So, Josh, go ahead and why don't you tell your story? Well, all right. I started as a shitty indie wrestler, but you know, you know, life happens, and you know, couldn't really get to work and couldn't really wrestle. So, you know, I did my thing. And then when I came back, everybody thought, "Why don't you just try to be a referee?" And I just started started wrestling shows here and there. And then, you know, I started liking it, so I just continued to be a referee. And I would mainly continue with, you know, one or two shows. I mainly uh, referee at Chip Show. What up, Chip? How you doing? If you want to check him out, Elite Wrestling Alliance, twenty five oh eight Glass Street. And since then, I just mainly stick to that show, and Jason's on that show. And if anybody ever wants to book me for to ref, you know, I'm glad to come to any show and help out. Jason will drive me. We'll we'll come down there together. He'll work. I'll ref. All right. Uh, yes, definitely check out Chip Show, EWA, like Josh said, Glass Street, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, real good show. It's a lot of young guys getting into the, you know, trying to hone in on their craft, make sure they got everything down to travel to some bigger shows. Uh, Chip started that show off as a... Uh, oh, he started out mainly for uh, the, the church people and, you know, the Right, young like guys. a community outreach type thing to get kids off the street, give them something to do besides just hang out. You know, just stay out of trouble, really. Exactly, exactly. That's one of the reasons why I like going to that show so much. Yeah, Chip's done real good. He's been very good with the community over there. and He's reached a lot of people and inspired a lot of young kids. Uh, 
Now, you didn't really get into much of your background, so I'll kind of bring some more of it out of you. Okay, go ahead. Uh, you are my brother-in-law. I married your beautiful sister. Uh, but I actually knew you way before I even met your sister. Oh, yeah. TWA, 2011-2012, I think is when we first met. Uh, yeah, probably so. Uh, TWA, the original TWA in this area. Yes, sir. Uh, Doug Watkins ran it for years out of Rossville and then moved it down to Dalton. And uh, it was in Dalton where I met Josh, met a whole lot of other people too. Lord. Rafe Yuri, uh, Damian Black. Big Will, Crazy, uh, Mikey. Yeah, Mikey, uh, Crazy, Johnny Blaze, Wes Blaze, you know, all those kind of guys was, they were all down there. And, uh, yeah, so from TWA, what happened there? Did you just... Well, mainly, I mean, like I said, when I was Who like, trained you to wrestle to begin with? Uh, Big Will. Big Will Ayers trained me. I think it was in the summer of 2011 to late 2011 when I first started training. And I trained up until about February. And then my first match was March of 2012 on TWA. It was on a Saturday night, and it was against his son, Cody. And, we, you know, we had a pretty good match. You know, I was green as hell, so, I mean, he had to lead me through mo the majority of the match, and I did all right. I vividly remember the finish of that match was I was coming off the top rope going for accidental smash. Cody grabs me, gets me in a bear hug. You know, he squeezes me in. I'm trying to fight out of it, and then he smashes my back into each of the four corners, and then I just pass out. So I vividly remember that, and that was, it was a great match. And then my second match was me and Lindsey Lambert teaming up against Cody and Jesse Whitmore, which is Chip's wife. And I'm telling you, that match was probably the most painful match I've had because I'm telling you, Jesse has some of the most brutal toe kicks in the history of the business. Yeah, she'll put a toe in places you don't want a toe to go. I'm telling you. And I also vividly remembered after the match I had a busted nose because I botched a move like hell. Uh, she was calling for a clothesline. I come in, put my hand up like... I don't know what the heck I was doing, and she clotheslined my arm into my nose, and actually now I'm, I'm climbing up the ropes, and I'm wiping my nose off, and I see blood all over my wrist tape. So, so you tried to block Jesse's clothesline, and she just knocked the fuck she, out of me. She knocked basically. the hell out of me. Yeah, okay. And I still remember, Snapmare, all right now, stay. And then, that's all I felt. Oh, yeah, those Snapmare and stays, you know something's coming that you don't want to happen. But I had a blast working with her. I had a blast working with Cody. And Big Will is probably one of the best trainers in the business. He, he taught me a lot of stuff. From stuff that I still use today when I referee to, you know, anything you'd want to learn in the business. He's, he's a good man. Big Will is a good dude. I remember uh, working with him a few times. Actually, one of the first Empire shows I got to work Big Will on. Oh, wow. And, uh... The finish, me and him talked it over and everything, and the only reason I remember this finish is because of what he told me after the match was over. Uh, we're going, uh, it wasn't too long, you know, maybe eight, ten minute match. A couple of boom booms, sasas, and all that good stuff. Well, yeah. he goes and he sets me up on the top rope. Well, he climbs up on the top rope after me. You know, I'm 
sitting on the top rope, feet on the middle rope. He gets up, his feet are on the middle rope. Well, at that time, I was using the uh, side effect into the Anaconda device for my finish. Nice. And uh, we're fighting back and forth, trading punches. Boom, boom, boom. And uh, I hook him, hook it, go for it, side effect off the second rope. Boom, have the anaconda vice locked in as soon as I hit. Boom, the choke, choke, choke. He's like, ah, finally taps. We get out there. Uh, we get done after the match was over. We get in the back, and he's like, uh, man, was everything okay? I was like, yeah, that was great. And I said, I almost lost you when you climbed up on the ropes, so. though. He's like, yeah, I looked down. I was like, what are you talking about, you looked down? I'm scared of heights. <laughs> I'm like, oh, are you serious? He's like, yeah. So whenever I climbed up, I'm like, I'll be okay. And then I happened to look over and I look. He said he saw from the second rope down straight to the floor. He didn't see ring or nothing. It was just straight down to the floor. And he was like, oh, that's when he almost fell backwards. And I had to like reach and catch him and pull him in. And you know, Big Will's not a... Uh, he's not a... He's not a... Uh... He comes by the name Big Will, honestly. You know, <laughs> yes. it's not one of those ironic names where you call some seven-foot guy tiny or something. <laughs> exactly. He, he is Big He's cornbread fed. Yeah, big time. But, uh, yeah, so Big Will, good dude in my book. Uh, as for one of the best trainers, I don't know about that. I think I'm a pretty damn good trainer, too. Well, you, I've never trained you, so I, I've never been trained by you, so I really can't give my judgment on that I wouldn't say no because I mean I've seen you work with some of the young guys and we get to some shows early and you get in there and show them a few things and yeah I wouldn't doubt that you're a good trainer well honestly that's what I like to do if I if something was to happen and I was to never be able to have another wrestling match again like I get in there and I get some kind of a bad injury or something right you know god forbid hopefully that doesn't happen and I think that's why I wanted to stick with ref and it has nothing to do with injuries or maybe I didn't think that I was going to be good enough as a wrestler and I figured you know refing would be better for me and also you know I've, I've taken my fair share in ring announcing when I ring announced at UEW we'll talk more about that later on in future episodes and then you know I've always had a idea of wanting to be a manager just trying to find the right character and find the right person to manage and getting the right pieces in order so I think that's why I stick to those three as opposed to continuing to be a wrestler well the injuries don't really bother me I've never really been yeah. Uh, the worst thing, I uh, had a finger dislocated. I'm actually ring finger on my left hand, so whenever I got married, I had to get a wedding ring that was a size too big that was fit over my knuckle. Uh, Chunky Dragon kicked it, kicked my finger in the middle of a match, and I thought my finger was broke. It only dislocated the knuckle right above where the ring goes. Oh, daggum. Uh, other than that, I think I cracked my tailbone in one match, and then concussions, bumps, bruises... Just basic stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if you listened when I did Drew's, when we did the watch-along the oh. other day. I don't know if you listened to that. If it was the Not Safe for Wrestling podcast. Oh, no, I've not checked that one out. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, I went over to Drew Game's house. Shout out, Drew. Uh, we were watching over some old matches, and we were talking about... We told his daughter, Rebecca, that when we were younger, concussions didn't exist. <laughs> He was talking about that the other day when he came over here. Yeah, Chris Nowinski invented concussions. That's what we told Rebecca. So back then, you just got your bell rung and you went on. You know, you kept going. A uh, 300-pound guy doing a moonsault came down knee first on the side of my head. 
Ow. I don't remember finishing the match. I know that was a finish. Uh, next thing I know, I was in the Walmart parking lot, walking into Walmart on Battlefield Parkway. Walking into Walmart, and I'm like, the fuck am I doing here? The fuck? Did you drive to that Walmart? Yes. What the hell? From GXW on McFarland Avenue. I drove from McFarland Avenue. Okay, if you're not from around here, McFarland Avenue is a little side road that this one wrestling show used to be on. To get from there to the Walmart is about a 5-10 minute drive tops. So it's not that far, but not remembering anything about changing, leaving the show, getting to Walmart, anything. That just kind of fucked with me. Yeah, so you just clip a few bicycles, hit a few people, no big deal. Yeah, I mean, took out a telephone pole, all that good shit. Uh, the only other definite concussion I could say I ever had which there's probably been more, but the only other one is when I wound up beating the living hell out of this kid one night in a battle royal. Working with him, he was a good kid. He was nice enough, you know. We're Great going kid. through. He hooks me for a suplex. We go over, and apparently somebody had bumped in behind me, and their toe caught me in the back of the head. I, and you, Yeah, I remember this story. Apparently, I beat the hell out of this kid, and I wasn't even supposed to be in the Battle Royal as long as I was. It was supposed to be in for a little bit, jump the top rope, running after the heels that me and my partner were supposed to be working that night. I beat the hell out of this kid. Somebody comes over and is like, hey, those guys have already left. I jump out of the ring, go to the back, and next thing I know, I've got my head down with cold water running over my head. Yeah, it was... It was crazy. But from what I heard, that was the prettiest clothesline that was thrown in that building that night. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I took that kid's head clean off. It was a clothesline of love. It was, fuck you, you about killed me. I'm going to take your head off now. <laughs> Bradshaw would be proud. Oh, but, uh, fast forward a little bit. What would you do after TWA? After TWA, I really didn't do much until Chip's show started really taking off. So, you know, I would, you know, I would go to his show, I'd ref a little bit, and then it wasn't until, you know, after you married Jen that I started working more shows frequently because I would usually just stay at work and stuff like that. So Okay, okay. <clears throat> and, you know, I, of course, you know, there's Empire, too, that I refed a few times over there at Empire. So it's really from TWA, sporadically here and there, then Empire, and then UW and Chip's. Okay, all right. Well, uh, no, definitely, Josh is a damn good referee. So anybody out there that's ever in need, uh, 100% hit him up. Uh, we actually have a Twitter that we put together to go along with this show for him and myself for booking information. Uh, go ahead and give him out the Twitter, Yeah, it's Josh. A, at shit underscore Indy 83. All right, at shit underscore Indy 83. Uh, right now we got the Twitter up and going. Don't have much on it yet. We just started it up, what, about three hours ago? Yeah, so. it's just literally three hours, three, four hours ago. I, I've literally got the bio, the name. That's about it. We haven't got a picture up there yet or anything like that. So it's literally just <laughs> default or vacant. 
and then vacant a, multi-time <laughs> WWE champion. Vacant. And then in the blue a blue black ground. But uh, yeah, doing a podcast by yourself is going to be way too hard. So this is going to be me and Josh both just kind of on here, like I said, talking, shooting the shit. Uh, every now and then we might get somebody else to come hang out with us, talk a little bit. Yeah, we but, definitely. Well, right now with this whole uh, virus going on, it's gonna be no shows right now. So we're just trying to, you know, just share past stories. Jason can share past matches. I can share some fun I've had and reference some matches or ring announcing or you know, you know, a couple of handful of matches I had when I first started wrestling. And like I said, we'll have more people come in. We'll do some stuff, share some stories, and then when uh, all this virus stuff finally uh, clears up and we get to have some bookings and go to some shows, we'll share those stories as well. well here you go i got go ahead and tell us a story what's the favorite match you've actually got to ref favorite match that i got to ref who was in it do you remember who went over do you remember did you ref bump in the match and then have to do the i'm dead but i'm gonna make this three count type thing uh you got to come back that's gonna, it's gonna take me a while to think of that so let's go to you first let's come on your favorite matches all right my absolute favorite match that i've ever been in was it my best match? No. Uh, but my favorite match, it was uh, from UEW, uh, the relaunch of UEW that Ben Thrasher did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came in, it was me, and it was Ryan House in a ladder match. I was there for that match. It was a... Uh, I think I actually roughed that match, as a matter of fact. I think so. Uh, the reason why... It was supposed to have been me and JD in this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, JD had got hurt, wasn't going to be able to do it, and Ben came to me and said, uh, "JD's not going to be in the match. He's not going to be able to make it. Uh, you got two choices. Who do you want?" And it was either House or it was Brian Rivers doing a hooded gimmick that he was doing at the time, and uh. Everybody was like, oh, man, you should work Rivers. You should do Rivers. You should work Rivers. It'll be, you know. Oh, yeah, Brian's a good worker. Stiff as hell, but he's a good worker. Uh, He's a damn good worker, and I've worked with Rivers plenty of times. But I always believed in House. Yeah. Always thought he was a great kid. I mean, he was was good. You could lead him. He would listen. He would do anything you asked of him. And he's definitely got the passion, definitely. Definitely. And so I'm like, let me have the kid. Let me have House. And uh, UEW, uh, inside talk on what went on in the in the locker room there. Everybody was, I don't want to say cocky, but they were confident as hell in what they were doing. That was one thing I liked about being in the locker room there. Everybody, it wasn't trying to... It wasn't a dick measuring contest, you know, my dick's bigger than yours, I'm better than you are. No, it was a, I know I'm going to go out there and I know I'm going to have a great fucking match. So I'm going to throw a dollar or I'm going to throw two dollars or I'm going to throw whatever into a pot. And at the end of the night, of all the workers that were still there, everybody got together and voted on what they thought the best match was. I remember that. They had the TV set up in the back, a lot of people would go out and watch but everybody would vote on what was the best match that night. And the night that we did that ladder match, there were a whole, I mean, a whole, it was a card full of great matches. It was a great night. 
Uh, main event was Ben Thrasher and Shane Daniels in a cage. Yep. I believe the uh, UEW title was on the line as well. I think so, yeah. But, uh, no, I went out there and I was confident because me and him, we talked over everything. We had all the spots planned. We were ready, you know, this will follow this, will follow this, will follow this, and then we'll do it this way and we'll go into that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, everything just clicked. It worked out great. Uh, at least a 20 to 25 minute match with me and him. No big mistakes. No big botches. Nothing that you look at and you're like, well, that's a big fuck up. Yeah. Nothing that you instantly just focus on and it ruins your perspective of the match. Exactly. And I was so confident that that match was going to be the best match. I put my entire pay for the night in the pot. And sure damn enough, once everything was said and done, everybody voted for that match to be match of the night. And nobody ever thought that House would ever have a match of the night candidate. So, I mean, that's probably my favorite match that I ever had just because I was able to take something that everybody thought was going to be a disaster and make it into the best fucking thing that could have happened that night. And it was a damn good match. And I had the best seat in the house. It was awesome. Oh, it was. It was a damn good match. And uh, it's actually on the UEW Fanatics YouTube page. Yep. I've went, I've watched it a few times just going back and uh, not reliving the glory days, but, you know, kind of. Uh, but uh, best match I was ever a part of it was when UEW was still on Scruggs Road when Ben had opened it up there oh yeah the first before time it, yeah before it moved over to that warehouse the warehouse over on uh, Max Smith it was uh, me and Menace oh god yes I remember that mm-hmm. one of my favorite matches of yours that was a <clears throat> Hell, it was a damn good match. I was in, I was in great shape. I mean, I was down close to two hundred pounds, and uh, that was just another one. Everything clicked. There was one botch in the match that I remember, and it still pisses me off to this day because that was, that was the closest thing to a perfect match I had ever been in, up to that point. And uh, this was before they did the match of the night pot, but I'm pretty sure that that would have won it if it if there would have been a pot for it oh absolutely it was a it was a curtain sellout standing ovation when we walked back through you know both of us and uh menace actually put it over on his facebook page and then like a year later whenever the timeline memory popped up he posted about it again so that was it's only the once of the two times I've met Menace, but he is a stand-up guy. Oh, he's a great <clears throat> dude. He is a great dude. Uh, so back to you. All right, so I got one in my head. It's not one of my favorite, but it's it's one of the ones that I, I like. Any chance that I get to be like a dirty ref or get just a, a tiny bit of character put into me, I enjoy that. You remember when we was doing the UEW versus GPW invasion angle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think, I knew it was at the rec hall. I don't remember which one it was. East Ridge Rec Hall? Was it the first show? 
The first or was it one of the later shows? Because the first show was at uh, Elementary School Gym. The rest of them were at the Rossville Rec. Yeah, the Rossville Rec. Because that was when we was doing the full storyline that lasted up until the end of that year. Yeah. So I remember it was, I was the ref. It was uh, Johnny Viper and Ben Thrasher teaming up against Buff Bagwell and Andrew Duckworth. And I was the ref in that match. And, of course, Johnny Viper and Ben, they was on the UEW side, and I was the unofficial UEW ref. Oh, you were Nick Patrick. <laughs> and then of course Buff and uh, Andrew Duckworth are representing GPW of course they brought in Buff to uh, help Duckworth out and if, shout out to Duckworth if you've not seen Duckworth's work he is an incredible worker as a matter of fact I think he was recently on an AEW taping when they first introduced uh, Lance Archer uh, I think he was on a little vignette right there so if that was you shout out Duckworth but anyway so they taught us about what was going to be planned out in that match. They said towards the end of the match that I was going to screw Buff and Duckworth and I was going to do slow count when Buff goes to make the count. Then as soon as they uh, do the finish, I'll count real fast and run out of the ring. So, you know, we get in the match. You know, boom, boom, boom. Everybody does their stuff. Gabe was the manager out there for uh, Viper and Ben that night. And, you yeah, know, he was the UEW ring manager representative guy. So anytime they wanted to do their, their shenanigans, of course, he would get back there. He would say all these crazy shit, having me trying to not have, trying to not laugh. But of course, Gabe is crazy as hell and funny as hell, anyways. So they do that. Then Buff goes to do his finish. Goes for double arm DDT to Vipes. Goes to, for the pin. I get down and go one, two, and then Ben's like, Josh, come here, come here, come here. Like what? What's going on? And then Buff pulls me to the side. Why ain't you counting, man? And then Viper rolls him up. One, two, three, quick count. I duck out of the ring. Duck out of the ring real fast. You know they got to be the winners. And it might seem small to some people, but you know that was fun. And of course I got to do a little bit more dirty shenanigans in a few other matches. But I remember that first match was that's what really started the whole invasion angle between GPW and UEW. And it was it was fun. Any chance I get to do stuff like that in a match, whether it's a bump, uh, a referees never normally have a chance to have any kind of personality exactly. or anything like that. Uh, Nick Patrick being the NWO referee was the first time, or even going back to uh, the twin referees when... Dave and Earl. Earl and Dave on, uh, what was that, the a main, main event? The main event, 86, yeah. 87. I mean, that's the only time. You really don't see anything else out of referees except, uh, oh, no, you can't cheat. Blah, you know, one of those kind of things. And I try to, I try to, I try to make myself stand out as a ref, but not to take away from the match because the match is what needs to be focused on. Like when you know the heels are, you know, in the corner, you know, I'll make sure I'm vocal, real loud in the corner, and I'll when I get to that four, instead of saying get back, you know, I'll push them out of the corner and you know let them get some heat off of me, whether they push me or whatever. So anything I can to add to the match without taking away from it, I'll do my best to do that. All right, now I. In your time being a referee and being a wrestler and, hell, just being a fan, uh, what's the most memorable thing that you think you've actually seen? Most memorable thing that I've actually seen? Whew. That is a tough one. Honestly, if, if memorable in my opinion, when we go all the way back to TDB in 2012, I don't remember what was going on. I just vividly remember... All the workers around the wing, the ring, and Doug Watkins' music playing. Where Doug's coming out, we're thanking him for all of his service and everything he's done for the business. I don't know if it was his birthday or if he was sick and he was he just uh, 
got better something along those lines but just seeing how much we respected that man that almost sounds like a father's day was it a father's day it might have been because i know they used to do that with peggy on mother's day everybody would come out bring peggy a rose and and all that good stuff yeah i just remember all the workers around the ring played doug's music and of course doug's music was bad boys <laughs> it was great <laughs> so you know we're all, he's playing his music ducks coming out we're the clapping. bad thing is anytime you heard that music if you were in the ring you were like oh fuck am i the i'm the baby face i'm good you're the heel you're fucked buddy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was just memorable to me because i mean when i first started training and you know uh doug and peggy they own that building if you didn't if they didn't want you to work in there if they had a bad feeling about you all they had to do was say no and you didn't come in oh yeah and i it was really I really meant a lot to me that they decided to give me a chance and you know start training and wrestling and even though it didn't work out the way I I would have thought it would have I'm still grateful for the experience that I got to have in TWA and those few matches I have getting to meet Doug getting to meet Peggy getting to meet all the people that I met back there and it was a great locker room experience there was a true brotherhood back there in that locker room but yeah that's probably the most memorable that I can think right off the top of my head I I say the most memorable memorable thing that I saw wasn't even in this area. It was one of the things that happened. It always stuck out in my head for some reason. And I don't know if it was just the the visual of it or what, but it was the barbershop window. When the rockers split up and Sean threw Marty through the window. Right. That's one of the biggest things that's ever stuck out to me in wrestling. Because it's like... Yeah, it was a, you know, candy glass or whatever, you know. It was going to break easy and all that good stuff. But just seeing these guys are best friends, you know, that's what I always thought whenever I was that young watching wrestling. I'm like, okay, they're a tag team. Those guys are best friends. Okay, let's take a step back. You're talking wrestling period. I thought we were talking about stuff that we've seen locally in the interview. No, I just said anything that you've seen. Okay, so if we're going to go that route, we're going to go that route. Okay. And, of course, it will never be talked about because of the circumstances behind one of the people. But, of course, one of the most memorable things in my mind is WrestleMania 20. You know, it's a triple threat match. Benoit, Sean, Triple H for the world title. Of course, Benoit wins. Holds the title up. Next thing you know, here comes Eddie Guerrero as the WWE champion. Two guys that were never meant to make it in this business. But two of the hardest working, greatest workers that you will ever see in the history of this company is in the Vince McMahon's ring on his biggest stage with both of his belts holding them up hugging embracing and then of course Jim Ross's iconic call that he is at one of the most iconic calls I in my opinion that he's ever had that man's got a damn family <laughs> no of course good god oh. somebody stop the damn match no 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 he was as soon as Ben won that towel year after year mile after mile obstacle after obstacle Benoit is the heavyweight champion of this world after 18 years. So, I mean, that was, of course, I paraphrase, so it's not the exact wording, but seeing those two guys holding those belts up, confetti coming down, embracing something that was probably never meant to be, that just stuck it out for guys like us that says, you know what? By God, if they can do it, we can fucking do it too. Well, I'll tell you right now, it wasn't... It wasn't one of those two that made me think it. It was one of their Radicals buddies that come over with them. It was Malenko. Uh, Malenko, yep. Uh, when I first saw Dean Malenko, because, like I said, I grew up 
I was born in 83, so it, it was always the bigger, the taller, Andre the Giant, Big John Stud, you know, big guys. Hell, Hogan's, what, six, eight? Six, 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 six seven. seven. I mean, so it was always guys like that, and here I am, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm a little short shit. What the hell am I going to do? And then I see... You know, Rey Mysterio and Dean Malenko just tearing it up. And I'm just like, uh, okay, I can do this stuff. Absolutely. I mean, when you saw, when I first saw Ray, I was like, how tall is this guy? Is he like five? Is he like my height? Because I'm like, I'm like five three on a good day. So, yeah, when I saw him first wrestle, I was like, oh my goodness. If he can, if he can get a shot, that's a chance for anybody. That's my height, my weight. So, them two, them two's matches, him and Eddie... Halloween Havoc 1996 is one of my favorite Rey Mysterio matches with him and Eddie. So, yeah. So many great workers have given people like us a chance to get that foot in the door is is incredible. For sure. Uh, all right. Uh, what else can we talk about here? We're at 32-minute mark. 32, 33 minutes going all on. All right. That's a pretty good one. I mean... For our first try at this, we're not doing too damn bad. I think we should end on a high note. Let's talk about, I've not experienced but a couple. Let's hear about some good ribs. Oh, the good ribs. Yes. Uh, I Most of them just involved the ref's test and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell mine in a minute. <laughs> no, I, honestly... I don't even know if you would consider it a rib. It was... Okay, well, I got two real good ones. One, I'm not going to give the worker's name because he's not working anymore and I just don't want to, you know, really don't want to drag anybody's name through the mud. But they were at a show. They weren't working. They were just kind of hanging out. Right. But they were stoned off their ass. (laughs) No surprises there. I mean, bad. Like, they must have smoked the whole way to the show. Damn. And the show was like two hours away. <laughs> Good. Yeah, they hotboxed the hell out of that. And uh, they're going over, and they just keep walking up to different people like, Hey, you got any gimmicks? Hey, you got any gimmicks? You know, looking for pain pills. Hey, you got any gimmicks? You got anything? All of a sudden, one of the... uh one of the workers' wives was like, Lord, if you really want something that bad, here, take two of these. Oh, uh, and it was my dog, wasn't it? No. No, it was better. It was... Lord, I can't even remember what the name of it was. But, uh... They're like, oh, thank you, thank you. And they took it. And, uh, what it was, it was a water pill. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, an hour later, they're coming up, back up to that worker's wife, and they're like, what did you give me? They're like, why? My buzz is completely gone, and I can't stop pissing. <laughs> <laughs> that is the great. So, yeah, she gave him a water pill and made him piss himself sober. <laughs> and uh, the other one, it was at the same show, same night. Uh, another worker was being a total disrespectful asshole. I don't even know how he wound up getting booked on that card because it was like 
it was a damn good show. It was a. Uh, it was down at the Waluska Ball Fields, in Waluska, Georgia. It was. The show would travel between there and the Canton Armory. It was a pro wrestling evolution. It was a Josh Wheeler murder one. Okay. Uh, they were doing the show, and uh, this guy for some reason he got booked. I think he had rode with somebody, and uh, after everything was said and done, he's supposed to go out for his match. Or they're talking to him before or something, and he's just being a disrespectful prick. And somebody finally asked him, like, well, who trained you? He said, Woody trained me. Oh, God. And there were just about everybody there knew Woody. Oh, yeah. Woody's phone number. So somebody, I, I don't remember if it was murder or who it was, yelled, hey, call and see if this fuck was actually trained by Woody. So they call Woody and they're like, hey, did you train so-and-so? Well, I mean, if you want to call it that, he showed up once or twice. So he never even actually trained. He's like, well, he showed up once or twice. Okay, it's all we needed here. Click. What do you didn't fucking train you? Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, still being disrespectful as hell after all that. Then, uh, it's time for dude's match. His music starts. Or some music stars are like, all right, there's your music, go. It's not my fucking music. You gotta be kidding me. I, it was a Dan, uh, Reverend, the Rev. Oh, shit. He tells him, he said, man, go on out there. Your music's playing. He turns and looks at Rev. I don't know who the fuck you are, but that's not my goddamn music. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? So finally, they convince him, it doesn't matter if that's your music, that's what's playing, it's your turn to go out, go to the fucking ring. So he's out there, and they're like, you know what, fuck this bastard. As they should have. Yeah. Uh, They got his bag, opened his bag up. Uh, I can't tell you how many bottles of dip spit got poured into his bag. I can't tell you... <laughs> I can't tell you how many guys pissed in his bag. Do we get an Xbox special? Uh, no, nobody shit in it. But uh, a lot of piss, a lot of tobacco spit, and then it got thrown down the stairs out of the room. And a dude comes back and just sees his stuff. He grabs it. Don't even get paid. He just grabs his stuff, picks everything up. You see him like slinging stuff off his hands as he's picking his stuff up, putting it back in his bag. And then he just leaves. That is hilarious. That is great. And he deserved every bit of that. You don't disrespect people, especially when you've not been trained and didn't lie about who trains you. I mean, the kid had been working for a while, too, before that, so he should have known better. But he was mm. just a hothead prick. Probably thought he was all that. Pretty much. Man. I. If it tells you anything... His nickname used to be The Phenomenal. I'm not going to touch that. Yeah, even though AJ was using it. He was going, he was saying he was The Phenomenal. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You know, insert your name here. That's what he was doing. And I mean, he was... If you want to add Phenomenal Asshole, yeah, yeah, go right ahead. <clears throat> phenomenal I mean, it head. was... Yeah. 
All right, so let's, uh, let's get my rib in here. I, I was the recipient of this rib. So, you know, like I said, I referee, and so this was after I got done with my ref training, and I was getting ready to ref probably, I think it was right before my first match. Like, literally, I was about to ref this match. I get called to the locker room. Uh, let's see, it's Will, Ben Thrasher. I think you're in the corner somewhere. You know, a couple other people. All right. Bill come, Big Will comes to me. All right, Josh, this is your ref test. We got to make sure you know where you're at at all times in that ring. So come over here. So he brings me to the side of the locker room. And there's this big old mirror right up here. He draws a black dot in, in the middle of that freaking uh, hey, mirror. I wasn't in the corner. I was pointing at the dot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so he blindfolds me, spins me around like three or four times. He's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's like, all right, find the dot. So I go in there. Put my finger on what I thought was a dot. He's like, all right, take the blindfold off. I take the blindfold off. My finger is deep into Ben Thrasher's ass. Two knuckles deep. It wasn't just <laughs> deep. It was in there. You were... Shit. You could have told him if he had colon cancer at that point. <laughs> uh, the best ref test story I ever heard was from GXW. Oh, God. Uh, they used to try to get everybody. Workers. You know, you didn't have to be a referee. You if you come in there, I got, you know, I got told beforehand by uh, the guy that was training me, like, if anybody ever asks if you had a ref test, just say yes. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm like, what the fuck's a ref test? He's like, you'll see one eventually. Just know if anybody says, have you ever had a ref test, just say yes. Uh, this one was kind of the same deal, except they actually had a piece of paper on the wall with a circle in it and a dot in the middle of the circle. Oh, wow. And uh, they tell the kid, they're like, put your nose on the circle. He puts his nose on the circle. I'm like, okay. Spin around a couple times. So he spin the kid around. Now put your nose on the circle. He goes, puts his nose on, you know, on the dot in the circle. All right. Easy enough, right? Yeah. Okay. Put this blindfold on. They put the blindfold on. They said, now put your nose in the circle. He goes, he puts his nose in the circle. He said, now take the blindfold off, see how close you are. He takes the blindfold off, and he was he was a little bit off from the middle of the dot. And they're like, ah, you came close, you need to try again. So they back him up to the spot again, they put the blindfold on, and he goes, and he you know walks up, puts his nose on the circle again. All right, take your blindfold off. How close were you this time? He takes it off, and he was a little bit closer. He's like, ah. I know I can get this. I know I can do it. Oh, God. I mean, he was, you know, gung-ho. Yeah, I'm ready. So he gets back there. They take the kid. They're like, all right, we're going to spin you around a couple times, you know, like like you've been in the like you've been in the ring doing something and you kind of disoriented a little bit. As they're spinning him around, I'm wanting to say it was Big Doug. Oh, God. <laughs> climbs up in the chair in front. And he's not turned around with his ass like Ben was. Oh, damn. The dude spins around and he goes and he walks up and he puts his nose out and boom. And about the time he touches, Doug lets his dick go and it <laughs> like just pops the kid on the forehead. He said, you know, there wasn't no kind of nothing. The kid didn't say a word. He just backed up took the blindfold off, put it down, went and got his bag, walked out the door, threw his bag in the dumpster, got in his car and left. Oh, dear God. <laughs> and I fucking ruined it for him. He didn't like that. I mean, it Somebody was... should have told this kid about locker room ribs. 
Oh, it was, yeah, that's the best one that I ever heard. Whether or not that's the best one that's ever happened, I don't know. Well, we'll get plenty of people on this podcast and they can tell their own and we can we can write them. I, the favorite one I heard about, I think it was on Jim Cornette's podcast. Cornette was telling a story about a, one of the old school workers that used to have his dick pierced. Oh, dear God. So, you know, it was a apparently a pretty good-sized hole through there. And so whenever a new guy would come into the territory, he would be sitting there with his dick on the bench with a nail through it, nailing the nail through the hole. <laughs> and the, kid, the whoever the kid was would just walk in and see that, and he's like, oh, hey! That's great. All right, where we at? All right, well, we're almost 45 minutes into this, so I think we've talked enough for one night. Uh, like I said before, this is our first podcast that we've tried to do. We'll get it uh, tightened up a little crisper for the next time. Maybe yeah. talk about some stuff we're going to talk about instead of Just shooting ramble. from the hip, rambling on a little bit. Oh, yeah, we'll get it We'll get it better. That way there's not a lot of stumbling through words. Not a whole lot of ums and uhs. Yeah, so we just kind of said, hey, you want to record? I was like, yeah, let's go do it. So that's kind of how it led into this. But hell, for Tales of a Shitty Indie Worker, it's just a shitty podcast about shitty indie wrestling by two shitty indie workers, so. I think that's a, I think we did pretty good for uh, some shitty indie workers. But, uh, yeah, I'm Jason Hampton. I'm Josh Cox. Uh, hit us up, Twitter, at shit underscore indie 83 uh don't know if we're going to have any i think we're going to try to have an instagram up and going in the next few days uh, i believe that'll be it if we can have some other social media accounts we might do that but we're going to see how the first two take off first. definitely twitter and an instagram just to get some stuff out there uh get some pictures of us sitting here recording uh do a pictures behind of, the scenes do some pictures at the different shows we go to and you know Whenever we get going back to shows, I'll take a picture of who I'm working with and put it on there, and we can actually get talking about that match, how everything went, and all that good stuff. Uh, But yeah, I'm ready for all this quarantine distancing thing to be over where we can finally get back in some rings and get going. Maybe this will, maybe it'll be a little better, but... uh, Yeah, just definitely just be able to... uh, not have to live in fear. I mean, it's just all this stuff is just so wild, man. It's something that you wouldn't think we would have to experience in our lifetimes. It's it's something that we're not used to. So it's hopefully when all this clears up, we can get back to our normal lives. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, I was gonna try to put the podcast out every Sunday. Uh. I think the way everything's going to work out now, even if I did have a show on Saturday, it would be too hard to try to record and put it out Sunday. So we'll probably start recording every Tuesday. Works for me. Uh, Record every Tuesday, get everything. We're not going to edit anything out, so any kind of fuck-ups, if we say something we shouldn't have, we'll just be like, oops, and leave it in there. Uh, We might piss somebody off, but who cares really if we do. I mean, you can't please everybody. Uh, but yeah, we'll come back next Tuesday. We'll record. I'll try to put it, we'll try to record Tuesdays, get it released out on Wednesdays. Uh, hype it up on Twitter. Yep. 
Uh, what do you say this coming Tuesday? We'll uh, talk more about both our first years in wrestling. Okay. Sounds like a good idea to me. Get a little background into this crazy, crazy world called professional wrestling in northwest Georgia, southeast Tennessee, and everywhere else yeah. in between. Yeah, definitely uh, going to enjoy hearing some of your first years. Mine will be a little interesting to hear as well. So, yeah, I, I'm down with it. Let's do it. All right. So, Twitter at shit underscore indie 83. 83. <clears throat> and uh, we hope you enjoyed. Listen. Subscribe. Download. Tell a friend. Tell another shitty indie worker. Tell a friend. Telegram. Tell a wrestler. Uh, we'll hopefully try to get some sponsorships going so the more y'all listen the more money we get to make since you know we're not making money wrestling right now but <laughs> i made three dollars and fifty cents repping one time i'll tell you that story another time hey that was kind of my fault <laughs> it's okay <laughs> but once again at shit underscore indie 83 i am jason hampton i'm josh cox and we'll talk to you fuckers again next week later dudes